Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transportation Exchange Podcast presented by Rush Truck Centers of Canada. I'm your host, Jason Cuddy, and on today's episode, we welcome back Terry Ma. Terry, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for having me back. Always fun. Yeah, so we're back to talk a little bit about what we talked about last time, but more specifically the electrification you know, product line that, that Rush supports and also kind of what the infrastructure looks like and what's what's happening to support it going forward. So not so much a deep dive into one like we did last time, uh, but I know you were recently at one of the most recent electric trade shows here in, in Toronto that was kind of industry specific or had a lot of industry representation on the heavy side, so not always just passenger that we see. Um, maybe give us a little bit of feedback of, of what you saw there and some takeaways from, from that event. Yeah, it was the, uh, the first EV and charging show in Toronto. Um, so it was basically a nationwide event. The, uh, there was good representation for the first show, I think. Um, they had ride, uh, ride experiences there for anything from electric bicycles right up to, to class eight trucks. So it was a real range of, uh, of products there to look at and, and suppliers for chargers and vehicles and, uh, software systems, maintenance systems, all kinds of different things like that. Um, a lot of good speakers there with, uh, government speakers and, uh, right down to manufacturers, uh, and components. So, uh, you know, just about everything you could think of was there for a first show. It was impressive that they had that much on tap, um, and the, uh, the, the crowd seemed to like, uh, doing the drives. So, uh, checking out the vehicles and seeing the differences and, uh, a lot of it is still based, um, <clears throat> excuse me on the, on the final mile, uh, deliveries. So you, like I said, with the bicycles and some of the small vehicles, uh, for delivering inner city. Um, but it is definitely uh, growing in the uh, medium and heavy truck uh, division, which is what we obviously specialize in. Yes. Uh, and and we've still got a long way to go in that department, uh, and it's going to be selective for a little while as to what makes sense uh, as battery technology and software progresses. Yeah, and I think that, you know, from we were, we were kind of talking after you went to, and I, you see the notes and everyone's on LinkedIn, everyone's posting kind of what's happening, and, I think that the feedback you're getting, I agree, everyone likes to drive the vehicles. The, the, the technology is really cool. And I think driving it really gives you a different appreciation of what what it does. But the underlying kind of theme to it, and we've had other people on the show talk about it, is really it's the infrastructure that really needs to kind of be leading the charge now versus the vehicles. The vehicles seem to be not an issue to you know get to market. Um, but you know, infrastructure is sort of where... We need, you know, government support and obviously there's some feedback there as far as, you know, where, where we are with it, kind of what's, what was the general consensus as far as how the infrastructure is keeping up with the, with the truck technology? Yeah, the, for, again, for the smaller uh, delivery stuff, it, it the, the infrastructure is pretty much there. There's lots of chargers around now and there's more online all the time, but uh, for the medium to heavy trucks, there's, there's really no public infrastructure for that at this point. Um and that was one of the reasons I was there is just to investigate more with the suppliers as to where that was, because we're learning uh, as we go along, uh, we're, we're finding out that uh, chargers that we thought were going to work won't work. And a lot of it is uh, just the software primarily and the amount of voltage. Uh, I mean, there's chargers out there that now have been out for six and eight years that uh, they're just completely antiquated. So, and that's, 
you know, that's some of the infrastructure that already needs to be switched out. And we had a bit of a conversation before we started here on, mm-hmm. on just when you were doing computers when you were younger and how, right. you know, we went from how many kilobytes or megabytes and then terabytes and you're upgrading constantly for the, for a, a long time there. And now all of a sudden nobody really talks about that because there's tons of storage in your, in yeah, your phone, let in. alone your computer. Yeah. So, uh, we're still at the at the first stage on on trucks uh, primarily the smaller vehicles again they don't need as much of that but uh, the trucks it's going to be a little while and it looks like what uh, what I'm hearing is most of the uh, medium to heavy trucks are going to be charge they're going to be setting up the charging systems at uh, like card locks gotcha because mainly because of space for uh, parking a, a 53 foot trailer and tractor or even a straight truck when you're, uh, you know, you got a 24 foot body with 10 feet ahead of that. Yeah. Uh, you, you need a sp- parking spot that's 35 feet plus turning space and, and it's a bit wider too. So those aren't going to fit into the parking lot mall, uh, chargers really. They, yeah, no and they, they really haven't planned for that at all yet. Yeah. So I think it goes back to key point. Oh, and we had, you know, the, the team from Navistar on walking through. And I think that the first thing of the five C's they talked about, but the first thing really is consulting. Right. And I think it, this really drives home that point that, uh, I guess for two reasons, a is, you know, what is the available infrastructure for the vehicle you're trying to use? Like you said, the smaller it is probably a better chance of public infrastructure, but if not, what's required on your facility to get going. Um, and what is out there on the road for, for route analysis planning, you got to plan all this stuff out. If you need to charge on the way, you got to figure out where it is, what is available, if anything, you know, or how soon is it coming? Um, but I think the other piece you mentioned is, you know, the, the array of charging providers that that's on the market within North America is vast and everyone brings something to the table. And then it's a matter of finding what actually works for you. Because I think, you know, as we've experienced with, with our unit is uh, the demo unit we have is, you know, there's voltages you need to hit and certain, you know, minimum voltage requirements coming in, you know, to the charger to be able to actually make it work functionally, as well as there's that, you know, the, uh, the, the handshake, right. Kind of thing, as far as from a digital point of view, that, uh, it's not, you, know, you can put the, pl- the charger into the truck. That's fine. But it has to also then talk to each other. And there's, there's some interaction there that needs to get updated. I think as, as every vehicle comes online, that gets updated. So y- there's a lot to wrap your head around, I think up front. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's one of the things I was even surprised talking to some of the charger suppliers and, and the challenges they've, they're still having when a new, a new car comes out, even they have to upgrade their, uh, their handshake or the, or the protocols for the charger. And then they have to download it to all their chargers so that it'll charge that new vehicle. Even if it's a car, right? Some of them don't meet the same protocols as other cars, even of their own, their own line of products. So they're, and it's changing again. Like I said, it's uh, the first generation, second generation, maybe third generation, but they're going to keep coming out and uh, they're going to get smarter. Everybody wants to charge faster. Yes. So like our, <laughs> our EMV, for instance, will charge at 125 kilowatt hours in an hour. But I mean, they're, they're testing in Europe for 1000 oh, at a time. So yeah. it's, it's going to come and people want to charge these things in 15 minutes and it's, it's not they're not capable right now, but no. I could see in a f- couple of years, yeah, they will be able to charge in 20 minutes for a truck like that. Yeah, and it'll be technology-based, right? Obviously, there's a charger to do it, 
um, but also the battery has to be able to take it, right? You don't want to yeah. degrade these things horribly quick either by, you know, it's a lot of heat going into batteries. Mm-hmm. So the technology from the battery side has to be able to accommodate this high level fast charging as well. And as we're finding out from all the different OEMs, there's tons of different, you know, battery chemistry still being used. No, there's no one underlying one that seems to be dominant. Mm-hmm. They all seem to work, but you all get the same thing. It's like, you know, don't run it down to zero. Don't fully top it up to a hundred kind of mm-hmm. live in that sweet spot, which plays with the range a bit too, but it's, it's learning that, so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out as we go forward. Yeah, even the even the charger cables for the the faster charging vehicles now have to be cooled, like they have cooling systems right, right in the charging cable. So it's uh, there's a lot of things coming that, and, and that's all going to change. I'm sure if it's liquid now, it's probably going to be something different going down the line. Yeah, no fair. And, and that's kind of a nice thing about the expo, right? I mean, you get some positive takeaways. Yes, there's some infrastructure challenges. And I think like it's it's a disruption to how we've done business over the last hundred years as far as moving goods with, you know, combustion engines. So there is going to be some growing pains, but I think the use that the expo was a well attended, um, you know, from all levels, all different OEMs. So clearly there's you know, there, there's a push for, for all these companies to to get the infrastructure to catch up. And I think it will. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. like you said, finding out you know, what do you invest in as far as if you, from the government side, what did, what did they help get out to the, the public facilities so that they can drive the interest and drive the, the growth of this? Because obviously there's a push, you know, going to be from, from the federal level to get these, you know, zero emission vehicles out on the road sooner than later. Yeah. Oh, and, and just to meet the emissions standards coming in the U.S. through California and, and the other states that are getting online with it. And it's going to push the manufacturers to come up with those vehicles and, and it's it's going to push everybody to follow line eventually yep. uh, as it has with every other vehicle for the last 40 years. Exactly. Well, and speaking of vehicles, I mean, that's part of the other reason we wanted to kind of touch, uh, touch base on today is, you know, as a dealership here, we now have three product lines that either have or are about to have zero emission battery electric vehicles. Um, we talked not to now start, we'll, we'll finish up on that one. We can kind of go into some, some new information we have since we last talked about it, but um I guess new to, to the market for us in general is, is Battle Motors, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think it's new to Canada here like through us. Uh, you know, it's a low entry cab forward unit. Traditionally, you know, the refuse side is kind of where you see it. You, if you're trying to picture it, it's, you know, kind of like your, your, your garbage truck kind of cab. But they're electric. You know, they, they've yeah. got an electric option, which, which is pretty neat. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see, as you said, you know, you talk about final mile, this is a totally different application. It's almost like a school bus application where this, this kind of makes sense, right? It's a lot of stop and go, um, and usually a short, short run. So this, this could be an an interesting fit within the the zero emission market. Yeah. It makes a lot, a lot of sense on that kind of product where you're using your brakes a lot to regen, um, not going long distances, not going high speeds to, uh, to ramp up and use a lot of power. So you're just doing short runs and uh, idling quite a bit, which doesn't use much power either with electric. Anyway, if you're idling a diesel, you're still using diesel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those kind of products and that kind of uh, route is, is ideal. Like school buses are out there. Right. A lot of that makes sense. Um, yeah. A lot of inner city use for these kind of trucks. Yeah. And I think you ideal. see it in, you see it in the range. Like it's, they don't have huge range. You see these big trucks. You think they should have massive ranges, but I mean, they're about, you know, just over 200 kilometers of range, which doesn't sound like much, but to your point, they're, they're not going far, right? They're no. doing loops every day, a lot of stop and start. Like you said, where, where the regen is going to help. Um, you know, they can charge in about three to six hours, depending again on, on the kilowatts coming in. But, uh, you know, but, but they got the weight, right? They're, mm-hmm. 
you know, 26,000, 54,000 GVW. So it's a yeah. lot of weight for electric truck. That's kind of, you know, we haven't seen much above 33,000 yet <laughs> in, yeah. in a lot of where we play. So this is one of the larger ones we've seen yeah. come to market anyways, outside of a class eight, say tractor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting number that the, the, the range, when you look at it, you go, well, it's not very far, but you know, it, it doesn't have to go far. No. And I was talking to a customer this morning already. I met with that, uh, he hauls a fair bit of weight and that was the only concern because the trucks do weigh a little bit more. Um, but you know, the guy delivers, uh, usually his trucks only do a hundred K a day, but they're in the city and they haul a fair bit of weight. So, I mean, the power is there yep. for these trucks cause they got lots of torque and, uh, the inner city stuff, it's no problem to go hundred K a day with these trucks if you're braking a lot too. True. So they're, they're regening really well. So it would make a lot of sense for them uh, in inner city delivery with some heavy weight and, uh, and a lot of stop starts. Agreed. And especially if it's a, a garbage truck or a school bus, I'm sure like even the neighborhoods appreciate, you know, not having those big exhausts, you know, fumes of smoke as you take off or just even the noise of the engine running. Right. You know, a yeah. lot of garbage, you know, like on ours, they get picked up fairly early in the morning. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you just hear the brakes, you won't hear the, the revving engine every, you know, 20 feet <laughs> between houses kind of thing. Yeah. And they're again, yeah, they're quiet on all out they're quiet for the driver and for the neighborhood yeah um i know there's a lot of noise stipulations around hospitals and nursing homes and places like that that they don't want to have engines or backup uh, alarms going off all the time if if these vehicles turn tighter they don't have to back up as much true good point um so those things all work well in those kind of neighborhoods yeah and then on on the flip side of, of that type of truck it's it's not to market yet um but, you know, from the press releases and general information we received is Isuzu is coming out with their electrified NRR, which I think is a, a sweet spot for this type of product line. Like you mentioned, it's, you know, it's that final mile local delivery, you know, their range, depending on the different battery packs, this will change as, as they kind of refine it and come to market. But, you know, they're looking anywhere from like, you know, 60 to 300 kilometers roughly, you know, so mm-hmm. that seems like a, a ideal kind of range for, you know, something that's inner city, but maybe, you know, goes just outside the city a bit and has to come back. Um, and a nice part is it, it's their traditional NRR series vehicle, which everyone knows mm-hmm. it's, which already sells really well in an inner city type vehicle. Um, and, you know, have the same sort of wheelbases that everyone's used to, to handle probably 90% of, of what, what guys are looking for. Yeah. And a lot of people doing service, uh, work seem to be interested in those trucks, the service industry, like, right. uh, service trucks for the trucking industry or reefer repair work or uh, any of those service bodies for even electrical work, things like that. Those trucks don't usually go long distances. Again, they're in the city a lot. Um, They need that payload and uh, that they make a lot of sense for what they are because again, they're cab over or low front entry vehicles that, uh, you know, uh, don't, they, they turn on a dime and uh, they're great in the city. Yeah, and, said, and a lot of those service vehicles, a lot of times it's running all the time, you know, parked on the side of the road or in a yard, you know, to run a, a compressor or something else, right? So, I mean, you're going to have EPTOs and a lot of these, if they're not here today, they're, they'll definitely be coming. So, there's a lot of functionality that, you know, again, in a yard somewhere, if you got to work, it's, it's a lot quieter, which is nice, you know, but also you don't have that wear and tear anymore of running the engine all day long just to either keep the cab cool for the guy when he gets back in or to run accessory equipment, you know, in the field to do what they need to do. Yeah, I was happy to hear that they're coming out with the EPTO right on the Isuzu right off the bat. Yeah, so I think a that's lot huge. of other manufacturers aren't there yet with that. 
no, or, or it's coming soon. But I think you know, they recognize given, you know, what, what that product does, you know, it's always something tied to it in one way or another. So it's, it's, it's very versatile. It's a, like I said, landscape or little reefer body, or, you know, it's a service body. It's got to run something off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you need that functionality, right? So if you want it to be adopted right away, you need to kind of work like your current truck. Yeah. 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 I think most of the takeaways I got really were, if you're going to look at this kind of thing right now, you want to have the ability to go back to your base every day to charge at night. Right. And that seems to be, that keeps you away from having to hit a public charging system, um, which a lot of them just aren't there yet. And you don't have to worry about uh, chargers being down because there's a big, uh, there, there is a big issue with chargers that are just, like I said, antiquated or, right. or not in service. Uh, it, it happens all the time. I've been by lots of them when they're <laughs> shut down and you're thinking, well, what you know what's the issue yeah and they, and they don't get serviced right away right they're down quite a bit and when they're down they're down for a little while so i would stick with the major manufacturers for the chargers like the main guys are you know siemens and abb mm-hmm. guys like that um the off brands who knows uh and and what their service uh, ability is going to be like who they're doing testing with like uh, all three of the trucks that we are going to have available have had three different uh Charging partners. Partners. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you got to make sure they're going to, you don't want to have uh, three different trucks come in and none of them charge on the same charger. You don't want to have a different charger for every truck you have in the yard. That's uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, no fair. And I think that's one interesting thing is, you know, they all label as partners, right? There's no, it's not, um, you have to use brand X. I think they've recognized at least rightfully that, you know, people are going to have other vehicles in facility and may already have infrastructure in place right or have to lean on something you know maybe maybe you're leasing a facility maybe you have one truck in your yard and your your landlord has decided you know what we're going to support evs so we're going to put in five charges but this is what we're putting in right yeah. so you may have to adopt to whatever is kind of available to you so you know mm-hmm. they have their their you know ideal partner that they can work with and obviously know the product probably best yeah. but it's nice that they're not you know there's one still oem that has its own sort of integrated connection but outside of that you know everyone seems to be on board with using the same type of of connection whether or not the voltage match and the handshake match that's that's the unknown as you go through from the different brands but at least you know the the connection is everyone seems to be on board with with how we plug into this thing yeah yeah the, i mean that's the constant the chargers are all this or the, the the charger plugs are all the same other than with tesla right and now they've got converters for i guess for the tesla plugs so now Ford is uh, just announced they're going to be able to charge uh, starting With next their year superchargers, on, yeah. on the chargers for, for Tesla. Yep. And I could see everybody eventually being able to charge on either system. Which makes sense, right? It's kind of, I mean, you almost look back to the, uh, you know, Blu-ray, HD, DVD, and, you know, beta versus VHS, which one's going to win. But I think mm-hmm. maybe from this technology, it's not a matter of who wins. It's like, how do we just make all of these available to everyone? Because I think the infrastructure is so like, it's, it's that's the biggest challenge to ramp up is if there is the supercharger network already available, mm-hmm. how do we tap into that? Right. You know, yeah. cause you're paying for the service anyway. So it's not like you're, it's free, but you know, how do we take advantage of that, you know, uh, within, you know, North America for all the different platforms. Yeah. And if you go to a mall, you don't have to see all the Tesla chargers being used in all the, uh, SAE chargers not being used or vice versa. Right. right. If you, you can go swap in, in between <laughs> all the ones you need are charging and you, you see a bunch of empty, empty ones you could use. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And, and I don't know what the, uh, the in-service 
rates are or, or how much these chargers are being used, but it has to make sense uh, for the people to, that supply the chargers to have them on site True. Uh, to make money. Yeah, I mean, it's a business, right? You don't, you don't see gas stations with nobody there for a week or two and right and make a feasible uh, business out of that. It just doesn't make sense at all. They have to be, be used and they got to make money too. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I guess the last product offering we do have is, and we've talked about it already with you, is obviously now starting EMV um, and soon to come out is the ERH sometime, hopefully in, in 24. Again, we don't have really any general specs. So I've seen, I've seen the demo. We've had a chance to run with it. Mm-hmm. it really neat, but it's, there's no published information as far as range and battery size yet. They're still fine tuning it. So we know it's coming. Um, but the EMV, I mean, we, we have a demo unit that you've been overseeing. Yep. Um, and, uh, we actually had a chance to kind of do an arrive and drive with, with a lot of customers and invites, you know, um, what was some of the feedback you, I mean, I heard some stuff. What, what did you, some of the feedback you got from some of the participants on that? Yeah. Some of the, uh, I was in the passenger seat for quite a few of them. And, uh, most of the customers were just impressed with how smooth and how powerful it was just pulling away. And the fact that it was just silent yeah. was, uh, was amazing for a lot of them that you're driving a big truck like that and you don't even make a sound. And, uh, they're, they're just floored by that. The, uh, yeah, the, the power was, I think, the main thing, main come away was, uh, you know, you're, it, it doesn't hesitate. It doesn't, like, everything's just direct drive. So yeah. it's, it's, it's instant. not like your transmission <laughs> has to kick in and your engine might sputter a bit or whatever. It, yeah. You know, the fuel, you don't have to wait for the fuel to, to get sent down the system. And even with the regenerating braking, uh, people were impressed with that. You don't have, if, if it was on the third level of regen braking, Drive with it, one it's, pedal. It's uh, it's like when you're in a golf cart. If you yeah. have that experience, and uh, you let your ga- your your fuel off, and the thing just almost comes to a complete stop. It's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. It's it's neat. I had somebody feedback. I had same same feedback. Um, and the other one was with the noise. Obviously, you also don't have the vibration. Nothing's running. Yeah. Right. There's no there's no engine running as you get going. Nothing's spitting underneath you. Um, it's not so, shaking. No. So a lot of the comments were, you know, a lot of the guys we had were, you know, were, were fleet fleet managers and that. So they're looking at from their guys, like this is going to be great. Like the, just less fatigue for the guys, right? You don't yeah. have that constant vibration, just the noise of it. Plus the, the shaking of it just so it's a better, it's going to be a way better environment for them to work. Right. Yeah. It's just going to be a nicer place to be. And I think they're, they're going to get a lot of, you know, feedback from the guys that just like these vehicles. Right. Yeah, no, that was another, yeah, definitely a good point. You could have the radio on pretty low and you can hear it fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas uh, if you're, in a, radios real, used if you're useless. in a diesel truck, <laughs> you got it halfway uh, turned up rather than down near the bottom. Yeah. Which yeah. is really nice. Yeah, it's a nice feature. And and, and kind of like everything else, that, that one is available. Um, we still have the demo to, for guys to try. Um, yep. Um, it's, uh, it's actually we've done the amount of demos that we need to do to sell it so we can actually for sale <laughs> so we can sell it now and yeah. put it in service for somebody and outside that the, the availability is pretty good on that too and that's what we're finding yeah. with a lot of these as they come to market the availability is, is there it's really just get that consulting piece out front talk to your local you know provider or you know your especially your your, your power company with with where you live but or pull us in you know and and, mm-hmm. and get that consultation going because that's that needs to get going before you i mean order a truck by all means but yeah you need to get that going ahead of time that's gonna be your longest lead time i think for anything in in right now in this market yeah do the rate or the the feasibility study and uh figure out your routes that you would use it for and uh dip i would dip your toe before 
switching your whole fleet over for sure. Uh, you know, things are changing again, like we said earlier in this conversation that, uh, you know, next year there's going to be changes every year. There's going to be changes and they're going to be bigger changes than what you normally see in vehicles uh, that we've been building the MV now for really the, between the different models they've called it. It's, it's yeah. it hasn't changed a whole lot in, in a long time, but, but the, uh, the electric ones will definitely yeah, they'll keep changing. I mean, just, just the architecture of how it goes together, where, where the engines, well, the electric engines or motors are not an engine anymore, but mm-hmm. you know, that, that will change, you know, where things are plugged in and all that, that that's going to move around as they refine and get feedback from, from fleets and, and other technology becomes available. Um, yeah. and the other thing really is, you know, at some point, you know, there's not a lot of touch points on these vehicles from a maintenance point of view, but, the, but there is some, you know, and we've actually, with the demo program, we've gone and set up our Mississauga location to be able to work on the, the EMV. So, you know, you're involved with that. I mean, there was some criteria we had to meet to make a, a shop capable of working on these things as well. Yeah. And I, I brought it up in our meeting yesterday with, with uh, uh, Suzu about uh, just being certified to, to work on the vehicles. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a program coming out with them as well. Um, so every vehicle, you got to make sure you've got support and, uh, and training for the people to work on the equipment if there's any kind of issue and not everybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've made that investment so that, uh, there isn't any, uh, holdbacks when a customer comes to us. Yeah, that's a good point. And that goes kind of go back to consulting. A, make sure you can, you know, you can get the services you need at your facility, but also making sure that the product can be serviced when it needs to you know, within a fairly close range to otherwise, you know, it's a lot of towing in that, but it's having those conversations up front to make sure it's, it's a proper fit is kind of the key thing. So I think, you know, from, from the expo there, there's still lots more to come that, that we found out as far as infrastructure. Um, but it's definitely, you know, the momentum's there, right? Yeah. So it's got everyone's attention. So I don't think we're too far behind seeing some, you know, announcements hopefully, or, or some infrastructure kind of come, but mm-hmm. it's coming, but definitely consult, 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 get in front of it. And, um, you know, get, get the conversation going with regards to what you need for your fleet. Yeah. And they're already planning the expo again for next year. So we know that, uh, the government's not going to stop, uh, pushing the mandate to, to lower emissions, which is great. Yep. Uh, so it is something that's going to continue. And, uh, again, I, I just suggest getting your toe in it, yes. understanding it, and, uh, then you can move forward and, and be knowledgeable when you want to make that decision to to go invest in it. Yeah. Nope. Excellent feedback. Well, hey, look, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank Terry for joining us uh, and catching us up on everything electric. And to catch up on past episodes, check out transportationexchangepodcast.ca. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>